Welcome to this week's episode of Talking Tolkien. We had reread uh, chapters 11 and 12. Uh, we talked about the sun's creation along with the moon and men. We finally have finally gotten to men. And that's what we'll talk about on this week's episode of Talking Tolkien. You said your, your your copy of the Silmarillion had white mold on it. Yes. Uh, I'm curious now. It was just like a little fuzz right there. It was just growing fuzz? Mm-hmm. The book is so dense, it's growing life. It's creating its own life. The Valar trying to escape from the book. No, it's that Melkor has been sealed. It's trying to release itself. Into- <laughs> this is some never-ending story stuff right here. <laughs> but... So what happened? So, yeah. So, so Chase, our wonderful tour guide through the... <laughs> our reverse tour guide. We're right. the tour guide. Through feel, the, yeah. uh, well, well, the... What happened last week? Okay. Yeah, what, what did we talk last about last week, time? Okay, last time, Melkor and Gulliant went off in the middle of, like, Hecraxes? Helcraxes? Helcraxes. Helcraxes. <laughs> and Gulliant wanted more mm-hmm. gems than she was, you know, more than she was offered. Mm-hmm. And so he just started, like, feeding her gems... And she kept getting bigger. Did she get bigger? How did he get the gems, and why were they running? Oh, yeah, that's right. They stole it from Formosa's. And, uh, that's Formosa? <laughs> they didn't know. Formamos. Formanos. Oh, Formanos. Sorry. Yeah. I keep getting that we're, stuff. we're going to get, like, an official letter from, from like, the, the Chinese... Society. I was going to say from the Chinese Embassy in America blacklisting us for being pro-Taiwan. <laughs> I'm going to say from the Tolkien Society, but... Maybe Christopher they'll... Tolkien's specifically going to come to my door and slap me in the face. Okay, the trees were destroyed. The trees were destroyed, mm-hmm. and... They were like, hey, we need the Silmarils because they have the light we need because we don't have any light anymore. Right. And is like, oh, I don't have the film about that. And, but <laughs> while exactly he was, was kind of like saying, I'm not going to do that, Melkor broke into Formanos and stole the Silmarils mm-hmm. with Anguliant and killed Fenway. Mm-hmm. And then... I, he must be a Yankees fan. Because Fenway Park, yeah. <laughs> and then... Go Yankees. Then they ran off, and then they fe- and then they started feeding each other gems. No, no that's not other. how it works. She, they she, just, she just started, started eating them. Yeah. And then he left the Silmarils in his hand, and they burnt his hand forever, and he's constantly angry because his hand is always burnt. And then yes. he fashioned a crown with them in it. And then Feanor's like, my, my, my older brethren. Like, let's go. Let's go. Let's yeah, roll. So let's, the Valar clearly him. don't actually care about us, so let's go kill these other elves, steal their stuff, and then... Go back to Middle Earth and burn all their ships. And so the darkest thing so far in the entire book yeah. was the t- Teluri l- losing their boats. Yeah. And then and and burning them out of spite. Of and bur- yeah, burning them out of spite, which yeah. is just... So, uh, now we have... A oh, and also the elves and yeah, the, 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 the dark elves yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. On the with, with the cinder and, and, the, yeah. and the dwarves, and they were like in cahoots together and made a mansion. Yeah. <laughs> so, now we have of the sun and moon and the hiding of Valinor. So basically, what happens is all the uh, all the Valar get together and they hold a council. But they hold, I'm imagining it like you know in Futurama in the Supreme Court episodes where it's just all the heads. Yes, so yes, like, yeah. It's like Ruth Bader Ginsburg and like Snoop Dogg, and they just they just plug their heads in together and they communicate telepathically. That's, yeah. that's basically what happens here. They like they sit still for a long time, but they're like talking to each other. <laughs> yes. If anyone was in the room who was like an elf or they man, their heads would explode. Buzzing, <laughs> and they're like, like yeah. <laughs> well, we know the men are coming soon. And we did, like, we fetched the elves, but we can't do that because you don't know, like, 
Winch the men are coming. Ergo, let's give them some light. Well, th- even there was like a little bit before then too, where the where the Valar are still so depressed over the trees being gone. Oh yeah, they're, yeah. They're, like what's what's happening is like you know a lot a lot of time is passing and they're just kind of all sitting there like in a funk mm. and like worrying and grieving and this worrying is, especially about Feanor and th- I mean this is the box office for the month of like September the months <laughs> of October uh, the months of September and October two thousand one. You, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of movies bombed that time. Yeah, and then the movie that broke that streak was Lord of the Rings: Call in the Fellowship of the Ring. Right. Yeah, but like Ivana and Nina, Nina, yeah. is Nina. it Nina? Simone. It's, okay. it's just color. <laughs> they're yeah. trying to heal the trees, but it's not. Yeah, it's not happening. It's they're dead. They're what, de- they're what, done. What they do get is they're able to kind of channel the remaining energy in the trees until Pyrion births one last silver flower and Laurelin births one last golden fruit and so they make a delicious pie and they put the flower on top and that's it done they, they brew a tea forever. from its leaves and they sell it to the highest bidder because capitalism is clearly the route to salvation they, they take pictures and put it on Valar Instagram but what really happened was <laughs> <laughs> um, so what what happened was Yvonne takes these and gives them to Manwe, who hallows them, of course, and now what we need to do is create vessels to keep these things in. So Aule and his people f- form these vessels for them. Excuse me, but the wh- where do you keep the nuclear vessels? <laughs> yeah. The, the nuclear vessels. Again, the trees are nuclear. I, I, I mean, I feel like we're on something there. <laughs> but they, they fashion the sun, Anar. Is it Anir? <laughs> How's it pronounced? I'm sorry. Oh my goodness. So they give the vessels to Varda, who again had who had created the the ancient stars. This is this is like right? this is like a uh, 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 um, uh, 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 tag each other, run with the baton race thing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> What's that called? A relay. relay race. Relay. Yes, this is relay like a relay race, race at the Valar. They're yeah. like, now you have it. No, yeah. you have yeah, it. Like, you okay, have you sing to the trees for a really long time. Okay, now you you take the stuff that we produce from the trees thankfully, and you hallow them. Now you make some stuff to keep those in, and now you put them in the sky. <laughs> so Seriously, is it... Anar? A- I, I, I think it's Anar, not Anar. Oh, I can't help it. I just... <laughs> that's how I say A's. Well, I'm, I'm, assuming that, I'm assuming that the way that he rendered his languages in the Latin alphabet is going to be phonetically perfect, mm-hmm. so you should use the same pronunciation of an A for both times in the word. Anar is two different ones. Anar is Anar. the same. Mm-hmm. You could say Anar, but then that sounds like even weirder you made it seem like i was way off like no it just it sounded very freudian (laughs) (laughs) no but in 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 the in the elven tongue it would be that ah that's what an a would sound like Mm -hmm. and Um, then the moon is isel 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 right um (laughs) so uh, i'm gonna butcher another name (laughs) (laughs) so um basically what the valor are doing is trying to produce some sort of light because they're worried about the the Eldar who have now moved into Middle-earth and they also know that man is going to come and they don't want it to be dark. They want there to be light yeah, they're, to well, combat they're, they're, Morgoth. Yeah, and so even though the uh, the Noldor fled, they still want to take care of them. Which yeah. is sweet. It is sweet. Also, okay, now these lights, the sun and the moon... Mm-hmm. 
they're not as bright as the trees were, especially the moon, which we'll get into that right. in a minute. Mm-hmm. Now, why couldn't now I, I'm I'm having trouble remembering exactly the creation of the trees. Why can't they become? Why can't they be as powerful as the trees were? Is it because of how time has gone on and the Valar are just so like some? It's just like some magic can't be recreated. I guess yeah. so. Like right. the, the trees were the like the original. I mean, besides the very first old ancient stars that Varda had put into the heavens, the trees are like the oldest well, incarnation of life. Plus, plus in this time, Roland Bart had released his work, and uh, they they took it and they realized that from an archaeological perspective, it would be untrue to try and recreate the original. So what they should do is reuse the original in a form that speaks to both its history and its importance within contemporary society. That's a really good point. <laughs> I mean, that's actually what we do in archaeology today. Yeah, but yes, I, I, cu- I couldn't track you at first, but then it came. It made sense. <laughs> I mean, that's why we, for the most part, don't rebuild buildings. You just kind of preserve them. But yeah. I mean, no, I think you know, as as um, Feanor's mom, whose name alludes me right now, could not really get herself back together. Um, yeah. It's like Ivana just does not... She no longer has the capability to produce trees. And also right. probably the, the the sheer fact of losing them. Because they were they seemed super depressed about it mm-hmm. and saddened yeah. for so long. Well, and once they bear these last flowers and fruits, it says the tree... Like kind of the charred trees stand forever. They don't remove them. It's like this testament yeah. of what has happened. So then there is this kind of bearing witness of, you know, what the trees were and what the trees have become. It, you know, so to an extent, it is kind of this, you know, let's not erase the past. Let's find a way to incorporate it and, you know, both honor it and learn from it. And another point is that they say that the corruption of Fanor and the flight of the Noldor, they're not mad at Fanor because they view it as Melkor's kind of greatest violent act. Like, right. almost, almost more so than the destruction of the trees is kind of the perversion of Elven. I'm trying to remember the names of the people who piloted the sun and the moon. Oh yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so, so, so yeah. So now we've we have uh, gotten the 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 the, the light uh, that we have got uh, the, the sun and the moon the last in the bit skies. of the light. Yeah. And they're putting these vessels, and they send some uh, two of the Maiar to be guards, or rather guides of these vessels. Mm-hmm. And so they're like the guides of the sun and the so, moon. So one is is named uh, Chekhov. No. And another is his name Mr. Data. No. He was originally Wesley, but people hated them. No. But, uh, so, um, the sun and the moon itself, uh, so they, of course, we have multiple names for them. The Valar called them, the moon is called Isil the Sheen, or, and that was the flower of Telperion. Mm-hmm. And the sun is called Anar the Fire Golden, the fruit of Laurelin. The Noldor, however, have different names for them, of course. Um, the moon, uh, <laughs> you don't say <laughs> the, moon, Rana, the wayward and the sun Vasa, the heart of fire that awakens and consumes. And I like the, the, uh, reason for the Noldor, the Noldor's names for these, for the sun was set as a sign for the awakening of men and the waning of the elves, but the moon cherished their memory. Oh, okay. That's because cool. remember yeah, yeah. the, the elves awoke under yeah. starlight. Yes. Right. Yeah. I just, so, I'm just imagining now, like like an elvish family going to the beach, and the mom is like, "Kids, explaining that." <laughs> n- well, no, no, no. like, uh, kids, have you put on your heart of fire that awakens and consumes screen? <laughs> okay, sorry. It should be that from now on. Then I mean, <laughs> the heart of fire that awakens and consumes is high in the sky. You're gonna get a heart of fire burn. <laughs> hey, Chase, what are you doing on a heart of fire that awakens and consumes day? 
Uh, I think we should have brunch. I, I, yeah, that'd be good. I'm thinking about making uh, uh, some uh, tequila. What's the what was the phrase again? Sunrise, heart oh, of fire that heart awakens. Heart of fire that is, is, Yeah. <laughs> 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 we should invent this. Uh, so yes. So Arian was specifically a fire Maya, mm-hmm. and uh, she burned super hot. Yes, yeah. she's hot headed. She's a ginger. <laughs> I was thinking it more along the lines of like, like. No, I'll make that joke a little bit later. Okay. <laughs> it wouldn't make sense now. <laughs> and um, the other one... Tilion. Yes. Um, Tilion was a hunter of the company of Orome. Right. And w- and was very drawn to silvery light. And also had uh, often gone to like the gardens of Lorien and um, kind of hung out under the under the light of Telperion. Um, so they, they both of these... Maiar had previously had, you know, certain affiliations with the light of their respective celestial orbs now. Um, so I really, I really liked the uh, description we have of, of them physically as well. And that, like, specifically with uh, Arian, that um, she has a heart of fire and her eyes burn so brightly that even some of the Eldar can't look into them. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah that was just a, super cool. Su- so cool. Really nice imagery in that. And, well, and when she pilots Anar, she just turns into this like being of pure flame. Yeah, she's yeah. Calcifer. There was also <laughs> an element of that she was a fire spirit or a fire that heart, of, go, heart of fire. That did not go bad. That didn't go bad. Like exactly. Yeah. yeah, because yeah, we had previously seen Balrogs, which are fire demons. So you know, a lot of times we had associated fire with like nastiness but this is a different kind of fire it's a so anar is a light fire um anar takes longer to complete so they rise a seal first and the moon's just hanging out up there for seven days and the moon starts in the west and goes to the east and comes back to the west mm-hmm. and then we did a say anar i mean a seal and then an R is risen. Right. And so then they, like, flip-flop sides. Yeah. And they, like, cross in the middle. and Yeah. And so basically all you have is just, like, <laughs> you know, both of these celestial orbs of light. I, I love that uh, phrase that I said, so I'm going to say it again. Uh, just, like, yeah, crisscrossing back and forth across the sky. And so imagine you have, like, pretty much, like, perpetual daylight. <laughs> well... Not necessarily daylight, but there's always but, yeah, both of the lights. Always both of the lights. And then people are, like, complaining. They're like, we can't sleep, we can't see the stars. Because mm-hmm. that was their original plan, was for him to always be converging. Yeah. And also, wasn't there a little element of, like, uh, what was her name again? Who was piloting the sun? Uh, Arian. 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 Mm-hmm. That she was too hot. Like, she was radiating too much energy for uh, Tilion. Yeah. That so- it was actually, like... Like uncomfortable for him. The thing, the thing is that is done here is, um, it's actually really clever. So Tolkien explains the movements of the sun and the moon across the sky, and he explains lunar eclipses and solar eclipses, um, you know, as they're viewed here. Of course, it's like a geocentric view of how the moon and the sun mm-hmm. move across the sky. But yeah, he explains that through. Like Tilion being so drawn to mm-hmm. Arian well, that he can't yeah. stay on his path. We haven't <laughs> gotten to that bit just yeah. yet. So <laughs> we'll it says, Isil was first wrought and made ready and first rose into the realm of the stars and was the elder of the new lights. So the moon came first and was the uh, was Telperion of the trees. Sorry, as was Telperion. So as Telperion grew first, so did the moon. 
uh, which is ironic because moonlight is actually just sunlight that's reflected, that's reflected back at back, us. But um, it's kind of nice. <laughs> for right now, yeah. Then for a while, the world had moonlight, and many things stirred and woke that had waited long in the sleep of Yavanna. A lot of like weird flourishings happening. Yeah, with so like the stuff that she had put to sleep at the beginning when like Melkor went crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the servants of Morgoth were filled with amazement, but the elves of the outer land looked up in delight. And even as the moon rose above the darkness in the west, Fingolfin let blow his silver trumpets and began his march into Middle-earth, and the shadows of his host went long and black before them. So I really like that image, because, like, this is after he's been abandoned, and they're, like, marching slowly yeah. in the Middle-earth. But I just like, like, the long, like, dark shadows stretching before them. Like, yeah. you really get the strong sense of it's kind of like the twilight of the moon. Um, and then they raise the sun, and you know, they do the circle thing, and then they're like, okay, we've got to have something better than this. And so what they do is kind of absurd. Is basically, at the end of each day when the sun and or the moon gets to the west now they they go west, east to west instead yeah. of west to east, instead of west when, east. when they when they get to the west now they basically take, take it, it up <laughs> take it take it down bring it below the earth it travels in this like tunnel i guess beneath oh the god it's crazy yeah and when it gets to the other side there are like creatures that like throw it back up it's like reverse majora's mask yeah um and so then this is explained that uh uh moon driver i mean sun driver Moon Driver, what's his name? Dang it, Gillian or Talion. Um, he's in love with Arian, and so he like keeps trying to chase her. And then sometimes <laughs> yeah. he like overshoots it and goes too fast, and that's why the, that's why the moon and sun have different phases. And sometimes he'll pass before her, and so then like all yes. the earth will be cast into shadow. And <laughs> so yeah, um, so it's a cute story. It, it, that's the thing. It's like it's like the most kind of like weirdly adorable thing. Mm-hmm. Of this entire creation story, it's like, if that yeah. makes sense, if that seems like the appropriate word, the moon is in love with the sun. Like the Something about like the whole the thing is just like I really see the great. Moon and the moon doesn't see me because the moon's in love with somebody else, and it's never going to work out. But <laughs> for some reason, all the single ladies popped in my head. Moving <laughs> right along. <laughs> this is John's musical. So the other thing that we learn now is that the. Um, the Valar used the passing of Anar over the world to count the days. Yes. So now we have moved into, like, the, the sort of... Solar calendar? Yeah, solar calendar that we understand. This is also a moment where, as reading when I was reading it, I realized things just feel even more solid now than they did previously. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like this is, like, the last of, like, this chapter represents the kind of, like, ethereal, weird, not quite... Not quite reality, not quite spectral environment is going to kind of die off. And we're going to have like a much more solid, grounded it's, it's world a, of sorts. It's a reification of the world as we know it. Exactly, yeah. And what actually one thing I find really interesting is how he uses the moon as the masculine of the two celestial orbs yeah. and the mm-hmm. sun as yeah. the feminine. Because a lot of times it's in uh, different histories, it's flip-flopped. Yes. So. The moon is always seen as more feminine in society. I mean, you know... Uh, lunar cycles are even often used as kind of con- uh, connotations of a woman's menstrual cycle. I'm getting quiet here because I don't like to <laughs> icky female biology. Um, menstrual cycles, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, and then, so when the sun first goes up, when they're when it's still in the west and doing its weird circle thing, that's when the men wake up and the men are like in the far east, not the orient. I'm not being racist here, okay? Uh, in the Far East, and they 
see the sun, and they just start walking towards it. So, okay, oh, my mind... We, we got to talk very quickly, though, first, before we talk to men about men. I know we're in, we're real excited to talk about men, but, uh, right, so after, after the sun and the moon have, have been created, something kind of important... Um, oh, yeah. The other thing we need to it, talk it, about is the closing and the hiding of Falador. Well, that, and it, it, when the moon comes up, it's fine, and, like, Melkor's servants are like, ooh, light. This is okay, whatever. Yeah. Off. But then when, when the, the sun, sun comes, comes up, yeah. Oh, the very next God. Day, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. He's like, oh, uh, I gotta hide. So, yeah, surprise, surprise, Morgoth hates the sun. <laughs> so just starts farting yeah. out clouds and just covering up all of the land that they're in, and just diving deeper into the earth. Yes. Right. And he, he's he's afraid of Arian, too. And it, it, even, so he had tried to sort of, like, uh, pull Tilion to to his uh, persuasion. Of course, it didn't work. Um, and then, so, he's afraid of Arian and, um, try, like, pulls himself deeper within his uh, little compound yeah. that he's built and spreads as much cloud and smoke as he can. So I have a question, and I do not recall the answer. Uh, so he explains the um, the variation in the like the, the position of the moon versus the sun, but does, yeah. he, does he have a reason for the phases of the moon? Like, is there an explanation for new moon? I thought you were saying just... Well, it was, it was that, so... Um, Tilion, remember, it's I, it's it's just all explained by Tilion not being able to stay on his path. Well, but um, because he's but that like, only ex- that only explains like why the moon doesn't rise at the same time every day. That does not explain, you know, like a crescent moon or a half moon or a full moon. No, I think it does though because um, it so he strays from his path, but it's in an like yeah that that that, that, ex- like a cyclical... that that explains the cycle of it, but it does not explain why half the moon would not be illuminated. Because he's turned slightly <laughs> more towards her at certain times. I don't know. Because I mean, <laughs> because later, uh, you know, later in the Lord of the Rings, there are references to like script that can only be read by the light of the full moon. So clearly, it's something taken into mind. Like maybe mm-hmm. this is just an oversight or something. But yeah. I honestly don't know if there's an answer to my question. Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting thing to keep in our little brains, though. I'm trying to. I'm trying to find. It, but I'm not finding it. So yeah, that um, is that is a weird thing. Yes, on the closing of Valinor. So so yeah so so like I said, Melkor Morgoth had uh, tried to attack Tilion, and the Valar see this and they become concerned. Um, so they decide they need to close off Valinor and hide it because um, they didn't want to make war on Middle Earth. Now that you know the Noldor have gone into humans Middle are Earth, probably awake human now. Men are going to be awaking, and they don't want to wage war. Um, in in the midst of all of that, so they raise up the walls of the pillory, um, and they set people up there to just to to watch constantly. Um, and there's no way that you can get through except for the pass that we had talked about before, the pass of Calakiria. I, 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 I was gonna have to pronounce it. Oh yeah. What, what, what was it again? I actually didn't write it down. C A L C I R Y A. Cal what? Calkiria. Calkiria. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we should have. Oh my god, we should have a video bonus where we teach Chase like how to write and read Elvish. It's it's rather straightforward. It's kind of like Hebrew. Tangmore's script is really, really, really pretty. No, so so uh, Valinar is still on Earth. Not only is it still on the Earth, yes. it's it's just closed off more. Right. And but 
the Noldor... They're being isolationist. Yeah. Yeah, they're just being... They're holding off. And they're going to be less involved. Even even less involved than they were previously. This yeah, is the whole point. Of. Yeah. Um, the, the main thing is, like, they're trying to preserve Valinor as much as they can and keep it as safe from... More corruption. And as, yeah, as possible. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, they have... Well, okay, one, there's still some Noldor left. There's yeah, right. There's Marfan and, and his tithe of people. And they, they talk about, like, trying to kind of repair that and, and you know, help the Teleri recover. But then there's also kind of this establishment now of Valinor as this destination that you can only gain access to by being granted it. Right. Where, right. Whereas previously you could you could have come freely. You know, like... The Teleri did not live there for a long time. They lived on Tolarisea, and then they decided, okay, now is the time to come. But, you know, if you recall to the end of, like, the Lord of the Rings movies and, and the ending number nine, <laughs> um, you know, it, it is it is Frodo and Bilbo and Galadriel and Elrond and Gandalf. They are going to the West because they have been invited. Right. Okay. And it's... And it's not easy to get there either. Like remember, they had cast all this kind of bewilderment yes. in the passes that get closer to um, to the mountains and all that. So it's very it's very treacher- treacherous and very difficult to get there. Um, so into the west, it's time to go. I have to, I hate to leave. I have to though. Into it's the west, it's time to go to meet the great Vinyar. It seems like um, also like having these moments where I'm reading a lot of this stuff, particularly the stuff with the sun and the moon. That you can start to see, and this is me playing theologian with uh, mm-hmm. the Selmarillion, that Aluvatar's plan is starting to make a little bit more sense when you're seeing it and like as it's progressing because it seems like this bad stuff happened where it's trees that, but them dying brought about something I think might be better for the future. And not only better for the future, but better for men. If the like, also well, having the Valar like holding back well, sorts, but also like the two trees were very, um, like. Occidental centric, yeah, yeah. They the, their light didn't really reach Middle Earth like it did, but it did not illuminate but, it. Yeah, like so, they, they were so and, bright, but still well, not. And, like... and they they like they took the elves from Middle Earth, and then the ones that chose not to came they referred to as dark elves. Like there's it's very kind of this um, judgmental aspect, like between the West and the East. I wonder. I mean, I, 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 I'm resisting the desire to expound upon that because <laughs> I don't really think that, that Tolkien is like a, a radical, like, racial equalitarian. I'm not saying he was a racist, but I'm saying he wrote in a time period where that was not really yet a thing. Yeah. So. I mean, that and also, uh, like, that, that's, that's something that had always been confusing me, or not really confusing, but just a little weird to kind of, like, take in is the light of those trees. Mm-hmm. The, the point of the sun and the moon is they move. Right. They're moving around. The light is... It may not be as bright, but the light's actually getting to places where light couldn't be previously gotten to. Mm-hmm. And then the the um, trees were just staying in one place. So... Yep. Okay. Yep. And their reach was not as far as the reach of the sun and the moon. Because with the lights of the sun and the moon, there's more light that can reach farther in to, yes. into Middle Earth that previously was, you know, in shadow. Yep. So now, finally, finally, Chase. <laughs> chapter finally chapter twelve. Chapter, chapter 12, twelve of Meninists. Like like two. two what? No, no Meninists. No Meninism. <laughs> two allowed. two months into this project. <laughs> Actually, it's about ethics and Silmarillion. <laughs> no, 
No. Ew. <laughs> Gross. So, yeah, finally, we're going to talk about men for a little while. Of men. Like, Trevor's just sort of called of, of men. Of men. Yeah. <laughs> it's raining men. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's, it's raining, raining men. Wow, <laughs> we're really enthusiastic. They're we're into that one. <laughs> So during there's there's a, a, a sort of brief time right now where the Valar have peace, um, but at the same time though, um, Morgoth is kind is still make trying to make himself like Lord of the Earth. You know, it's like how can he hold power when he can't even like really hanging out in the sun? Okay, I mean, well, I guess he's, he's got chase, all chase. Of his. Do you remember? Minions. Do you remember your ex girlfriend Sally? Okay, this is getting really specific and weird. <laughs> you know how people sometimes just don't know how to give up? Oh, that's it. Yeah, okay. Morgoth is hanging on for dear life. For dear life. It's kind of for his everything thing. he can. Um, but so yeah, so he's remember he he's got his minions that he can send out and and he also is trying to cast as much shadow as he can to com- to combat yeah barfing up shadow to combat the light from uh, the sun and the moon which has just been given to us um so so during this time also it's important to note this is called the years of the sun and the years of the sun pass faster than the years of the trees do so again we're into a more like uh easily comprehensible passage of time instead for of, us than instead of like oh we don't even know how much time is passing but it was a lot well and it, i mean <laughs> if you think about it as, as as einstein kind of conclusively demonstrates large gravitational bodies like the sun do affect the passage of time yep so now that there's a large gravitational relative. no i'm actually no <laughs> no well you're on but, to something but there. it's it's true though yeah we've moved from a time period where like a day may be five thousand years or something. We did. We didn't. Well, I mean, that might be overly. That might be, but like, there's a defined time periods right. now. So, well, yeah. I guess because also comes of the seasons are now coming about because of this. All so, too. so the sun awakes uh, the the men, and they have many names, as does everything in Middle Earth. So it says, at first the rising of the sun of the younger children of Iluvatar woke in the land of Hildorian and the eastern regions of Middle Earth. But the first sun arose in the west, and the opening of eyes of men were turned towards it, and their feet, as they wandered over the earth, for the most part strayed that way. The Atani they were named by the Eldar, the second people, but they called them also the Hildor, the followers, and many other names. Apononar, uh, the afterborn, Engwar, the sickly, and Furamar, the mortals. No, these are good names. Yeah, sickly yeah. was really like the one who was like, hmm, God, and they really? named, okay. and they named them the usurpers, the mm-hmm. strangers, and the inscrutable, the self-cursed, the heavy-handed, the night fears, the children of the sun. So now I do wonder if... Children of the Sun's kind of awesome. Well, I was going to say, I do wonder if children of the sun is Tolkien, like, as a philologist, giving some throwback to, uh, to Aristotle... Well, he's smart. Surely, so, I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly. My argument was bad. My argument was, certain. he's smart. I mean, <laughs> yes. The phrase children of the sun has, I guess, has existed in philological circles for like 3,000 years. So clearly that's got to be some kind of a... Sorry, this is now the part in which I speak entirely with vocal fry. Now, the, the other one, the other one, it, one of the one of the names that was interesting to me was, this, was strangers because I feel like I've actually heard... Um, that used in one of the movies actually and i just kind of like took it off as like as a as a random thing to be said Mm -hmm. and then now that i know this there's a deeper meaning to that as no these are truly what the elves will call men 
or at least some of them will. Well, because, again, you know, uh, the last time we had discussed uh, the elves coming into contact with dwarves, and they were very uh, <laughs> confused because they didn't know... What are know, these people? Yeah, they didn't know that there were other other beings who could speak and who gave things names and who could, like, do things, right? They they weren't aware of this, so now here, come, the here come the men, too. Hmm? But they knew the dwarves. That's what I'm saying. No, when they met the dwarves. Oh, yeah, sorry. By way of request, I haven't done the song since I was 15 years old. What's happening? <laughs> oh, that's a long time ago. Uh, the pre-concert banter, apparently. Shoot. Yeah. This is this is what the men are to the elves. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry, so... that was uh, maybe too long of, a, of an aside for my joke, but you know how I am. I'll keep in track when I'm editing. <laughs> so, um, as you know, as we had said before, uh, we, we don't get told a whole lot about men right now, because this is mostly about what happens before men. Yeah, this was all, like, foreshadowing. Like, this felt like, this felt like, hey, stuff's about to happen <laughs> we're not gonna get into it here but stuff's about to happen yeah and again that's a kind of a you know a, a system that Tolkien uses throughout this so foreshadow something and then we'll talk about it more in depth a little later um uh but what so basically we're, we're introduced to the men and we you know we learn they're they're not as much they don't seem to be as much loved. <laughs> well, the Valar do not counsel the them. Elves. They right. do not come to them. They, they they basically, and like men fear the Valar. Like the like they like they're, they seem to be afraid of the like idea of them. Well, they had never met them. Yeah, yeah they're they're just far off and unknown. And the the thing too about men is that they they become friends with the dark elves, and those hey, are the elves who had never met the Valar or seen Valinor either. So all they knew about the Valar is what they've heard of them. So, so the, the so the, uh, the men have a really muddy idea exactly, of what yeah. the Valar are. Um, so and then one of them sends, tries to send the messages through the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So o- o- right. Omo, Umo, Umo mm-hmm. tries to send the messages through the water, and men cannot uh, like can't they can't even like understand not even that they even I feel like they don't even recognize these messages. Mm-hmm. They can't even like. Resp- like they, they can't don't even, comprehend they're, it. Yeah, they're yeah. not. But they're but they're like aware that they're drawn to water, but they don't so, know why. So they're, yeah. they're Jodie Foster in the first act of Contact. That's pretty. That's pretty accurate. I feel like. Which, if you, which, if you remember though about water, uh, the sea kind of contains the very last strains of the song of Iluvatar. Yes. So remember, like that's it's, it's yeah. very sacred and very yeah. powerful, and men can't comprehend it. They're not able to interpret that. They, for some reason, they feel like they're drawn to water and the sea, but they don't understand why, and they can't understand the the message that they're being given either, which is important and sad. Um... Where am I? Um, so now uh, we we have kind of a brief sort of happiness and sort of dawn of dawning of Aquarius. Yeah, dawn of Aquarius. Planet of the men. <laughs> da- yeah, dawn of the planet of the men. Where <laughs> that's <laughs> they're, appropriate. Where they're yeah, where they're wandering around and uh, you know being drawn towards the west as we all seem to be mm-hmm. doing stuff, growing things. Um, peace is happening. 
and Morgoth is kind of being held at bay because of the the light that's now in the world. Morgoth is pouting somewhere. Um, but at the same time, this kind of happy, sort of peaceful beginning doesn't last very long. Um, and there's some great wars in the north. Um, uh, and so now we're just a brief interlude. We're doing another thing where it's a macro history that right. we're going yeah. to then go and read the that, That's what I mean. Yeah. It was like everything about this was like, this is, this is, we're going to talk about this in oh, depth yeah. next time. Oh, yeah. This is like, hey, here's some stuff that's going to happen. We're going to see uh, more in depth later. But basically, what's going to happen is that the elves and the men are going to fight against Morgoth and his armies. Now, also. I feel like this was this is like the first chapter that is kind of going. We're about to move into a completely everything's about to change again well, for this story. So we talk a little bit about the elves and men coming together, and then it says, "Immortal were the Ooh, elves." No, I want to read this part. Can I read this part? <laughs> I really want to read this part. I really love this part. Immortal were the elves, and their wisdom waxed from age to age, and no sickness nor pestilence brought death to them. Their bodies, indeed, were the stuff of the earth. And could and could be destroyed. And in those days, they were more like more like to the bodies of men, since they had not so long been in wait hold on inhabited by the fire of their spirit, which consumes them from within in the course of time. But men were more frail, more easily slain by weapon or mischance, which I I love that little part right yeah. there. And less easily healed, subject to sickness and many ills. And they grew old and died. What may befall their spirits after death, the elves knew not. Which is, this is my favorite part of this whole thing. Some say that they too go to the halls of Mandos. But their place of waiting there is not that the that of the elves. And Mandos, under Luvatar alone, save Manway, knows whither they go. Wait, I read that right. Mm-hmm. Whither they go... After the time of recollection, in those silent halls besides the outer sea, none have come back, ever come back from the mansions of the dead, save only for Brennan, son of Barahir, Barahir, whose hand had touched a Silmaril, but he never spoke afterward of mortal men. The fate of men after death, maybe, is not in the hands of the Valar, nor was all foretold in the music of the Einir. Right, so, so that that is like the coolest thing in the entire set, like this entire uh, section to me. Just one bit. You said Brennan instead of Baron. <laughs> Baron, just my because bad. Baron comes up. But later. yeah, we, we that was our. I was going to make that point that we've uh, heard of Baron now, which we'll hear a little bit more about him later. Not to be confused with Baron, the capital. Also, that whole like that whole story with him seems like so like that little short story. Just a few, just a few words. Whose hand had touched a silver? Yeah, so <laughs> what the hell? What's going to happen there? Yeah, you know? things, things are going. Uh, actually, Indiana Jones, and it's it's the it's like the first twenty minutes of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Not, <laughs> not the not the the barrel. But the twenty minutes after that, where he he touches the thing and it burns his hand. He screams, and the imprint is left, and they can. Oh yeah, I, I thought you were talking about the Shankara stones from Temple of Doom. No, you know, no. Bird no, no. he's trying to grab for it. I'm also not being serious at all. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, so uh, you know, we don't know what happens to men after they die, um, and we also know that they're not as you know. We we had heard uh, this has been said before. Men yeah, are, you in know, the first few chapters. Yeah, we, weaker than the elves are, and they're mortal, and um, so they're. Uh, 
they're like also called they were called very from very early on like the guests right um or well, visitors the visitors yeah which is a much more appropriate name and then mm-hmm. also there there is a sense i mean remember back to earlier when they talked about men they said specifically that since they have such short lifespans they almost get more accomplished mm-hmm. because they're they have a greater yearning because they know they don't have much time and they get they get to live on like it was almost like there's like this the afterlife is much more interesting for men mm-hmm. than it is for elves right well so then kind of what, just picking up where you left off uh, in after days when because of the triumph of Morgoth elves and men became estranged so once again he's like this wedge between everything as he must wished those of the elven race that still lived in middle earth waned and faded and men usurped the sunlight then the Quindy wandered in the lonely places of the great lands and the isles and took to the moonlight and the starlight and to the woods and caves becoming as shadows and memories save those who ever and anon set sail into the west and vanished from middle earth but in the dawn of years elves and men were allies and held themselves akin and there were some among men that learned the wisdom of the eldar and became great and valiant among the captains of the noldor and in the glory and beauty of the elves and in their fate full share had the offspring of elf and mortal Arendil and elwing and elrond their child okay that's a little something about elrond i did not yeah. know He's half man. Yeah, half I, man. I had no idea about that. That's why his forehead and, is wrinkles. No, it isn't. <laughs> and we're going to we're we're going to uh, hear a lot more about Elrond later, of course. Oh but, yeah, he's, um, he's half man, half elf, half drag queen, and all gigantic robot, <laughs> transforming robot, and eyebrows of doom, and also a computer virus. I have, I have to admit, like this is the point now, like. I've just been kind of reading these, and I think I may have said this before. I've just been kind of reading this book and not quite, like, like it's been kind of, like, um, at arm's length for me. Mm-hmm. This entire time I've just been kind of reading it and not really. This is, like, the first time, like, I'm really legitimately excited for what's about to happen. Like, I actually, like, I wanted to keep reading when I was reading mm-hmm. this because I'm so curious about what's about to happen next. Like How anthrocentric of you. You don't care until man's involved. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. You would have joined Cerberus, wouldn't you? <laughs> I just mean after, like, all these crazy events that have happened, like, the world just feels so much more like... Well... The world's, like, almost done cooking of sorts. Yeah, right. and there's de- there's this definite progression from, um... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, non... Corporeal to corporeal? Ethereal yeah. to... Thank yeah, you. like, ethereal to corporeal, yeah. Which has been, like, a theme from the very beginning. We had, like, the music, and then the vision, and then the actual physical, you mm-hmm. know... Uh, materialization of it's, it. It, yeah, it's, it's it's we've gone kind of the same way in our story it, it's, it's the carnation of reality yeah mm-hmm. and well and, and, it, and it's also making me more excited for when we actually do get to the hobbit and lord of the rings too with having this like this stuff like under my belt like right. this understanding like, i had this moment today where this like moment like i'm about to know what the Silmaril is a, like Silmarillion is about yeah. like fully and, and I've, like this is the information I never thought I would ever have in my brain <laughs> yeah you're, you're gonna have like a grander scheme with within which to situate the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and you know kind of realize why some things are so important why it's so important um, like the, the great battles that we see um, in the Hobbit and the actually in in two towers, uh, when um, the elves come, like why that's so important? Why that's so important? Which is uh, spoiler alert, not actually in the books, but which is something that I appreciated. Well, and, is, and 
because of like this early alliance between elves and men, their kin, and, and you know uh, they fight together. Chase, to to make you really excited, I'm gonna. Okay, you remember how the book began with two short stories? Yes. It ends with two short stories, and look at the name of the last one. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Oh, the rings and the power of and the third age. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically just going to be like a a fully just it's like <clears throat> setting up what's going to happen later, and we still have a ways to get there. But mm-hmm. but yeah, you're totally right. We're definitely moving into like the meat of the story now. Well, it's like more like the meat of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I still don't think that the, that the that the story is going to be there's not really going to be much of a story that's going to like come about in the Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. What I, I mean, it's mostly just cycles. Like this is just which is what I'm thinking about today is since like there's there's kind of like a cycling that's happening with mm-hmm. that's very interesting from the perspective of like that's not a typical like western way of writing literature where you're having like these cycles coming about it's usually like kind of like set and things just happen whereas this is like a very eastern perspective like eastern philosophy perspective to have these cycles that are constantly i mean mm-hmm. morgoth represents an evil that's going to constantly rise up and then like fall back and then rise up and fall back and i've already seen that cycle happen several times, times. Like, yeah. we've he had gets knocked down he gets knocked, knocked down, down but he, but gets, he gets, back gets up, up, up again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're never going to keep him down <laughs> But, I mean, we've had the Trees of Light, mm-hmm. and their time is up, but now a new light has come about. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like these, we've had, like, battles happen with the Valinar, or the Valar, and now it's being addressed where now the elves are the ones that are going to be doing the fighting. And then now it's the move from the elves to the men and the elves that are going to be doing the fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, it's yeah. interesting that it's this, this very large perspective is, is compelling. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm I I yeah these these were these were some really good chapters. I mean, you know, as we said, these were fairly short, especially super compared dense. to what we uh, talked about last week. But yeah, they're super dense and important, really important things happen. Um, I I I love the like I was talking about earlier the um, the descriptions that we got of Arian and Tillian, um, especially Arian with her like flaming like body of flame where she just like completely loses corporeal form and just becomes like a blaze yeah <laughs> well this is like this has been like we, we've, we've kind of failed on something i was like thinking it would have been fun if we were doing from the very beginning but if we were like if we were making a movie of the silmarillion yeah who would we cast as what who would we cast as, <laughs> as yeah i mean i already I said i already said ron funches as tolkis i mean that's about the that's about the most i'd ever thought of uh i don't even know for uh morgoth Arian, i would I would cast Laverne Cox. There we go, yeah. All right. What about uh, Tillion? Ed Helms. (laughs) (laughs) I just felt like saying Ed Helms. (laughs) James Spader. There, yeah. Or. um, I'm ruined because I just want to say James Spader as Melkor. (laughs) Okay, well, in that case, uh, what's his name? Oh, my goodness. He died recently. He wrote his own eulogy. It was very sad. James Ruphorn. Yeah. I can see that. Or, uh... Oh, I had one for Ogulion, but I can't remember. Just Julian Moore. I still have Seventh Son on the brain. <laughs> uh, she could pull it off. On, on a side note, we are now one-third of the way through the book. Yep. Officially one-third of the way through well, the book. two days, two pages shy. Yeah. yeah. Two months. We are actually... I feel like we were going faster than I thought we were. I thought we would get to this point in, like, April. I don't know the why. The thing that's going to be really slow is The Lord of the Rings, and maybe we should revisit our our... Breakdown. I mean, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll probably break that down a little differently, but yeah. 
I mean, it. it I mean, I, I I like this. I'm enjoying this. I, I like the pace we're going at too because it's mm-hmm. kind of like easily digestible. It's yeah. You can yeah. You can chew on it. Um, and we can. So. I think it's easily. Oh, favorite parts. Yeah. We're so mine. Skip- so yeah. Like I said, mine. Mine was uh, the whole talking about the the guides of the sun and the moon. The long shadows. I like that imagery. I just like talking about the fact that men are mortal, but mm-hmm. there, there's something intriguing to the elves about that. I like yeah. that whole bit. And should be intriguing to the reader as well. All right. Well, this has been another episode of Bilbo's Book Club. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, Why I'm, did you take that title? <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh. I'm John the Lightfooted. Uh, I don't even know who I am. Katie the Cantankerous. Okay, I'm Katie the Cantankerous. <laughs> I'm Ch- I'm Chase the uh, thick thick cranium. I don't know. <laughs> Chase, he of poor pronunciation. Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll be back. Tangled tongue. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking Tolkien. You can find more of our podcasts at WarpZoneNetwork.com. And you can follow this show on Twitter at Talking Tolkien. You can also check out our email, or not check it out, we'll check it out. Send us an email at TalkingTolkien at WarpZoneNetwork.com. You can also check out our Patreon account, which is located at Patreon.com, and it's WarpZoneNetwork. Give us some money. Or throw us some money, or put some money in the bin. Whatever it is, I don't. We don't care, so we can keep the lights on and keep doing what we're doing. So I hope you all have a great week, and remember to toast the professor. <laughs>